Since 2005, Blue Hat has been where the security research community and Microsoft come together as peers. To debate and discuss, share and challenge, celebrate and learn. On the Blue Hat podcast, join me, Nick Fillingham. And me, Wendy Zanoni, for conversations with researchers, responders and industry leaders, both inside and outside of Microsoft. Working to secure the planet's technology and create a safer world for all. And now, on with the Blue Hat Podcast. Thank you for joining the Blue Hat Podcast. We would like to welcome Caitlin Falk here to the podcast to tell us a little bit about herself, about women in security, around her efforts around that, and plus her talk at the Blue Hat Conference that we had in October of this year. Caitlin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks for having me today, you guys. I'm excited to be here. So I will say that I currently work at Zoom and I am a principal security TPM there, but I'm also the co-founder of Zoom's Women in Security Group, which is what I did my talk on at Blue Hat, which was no women in security group, no problem. And like you said, it was a lightning talk and I was just so happy to be there and be included. Awesome. How, you know, Zoom has exploded, obviously. I mean, we all knew Zoom on the side, but then COVID hit and Zoom became this massive entity. How have you, in your time at Zoom, have you seen things change and then obviously changing in terms of women in security groups and so on and so forth? What has been the metamorphosis of Zoom, in your opinion, including things such as women in security group, maybe other ERGs? Yes, I can say I've been at Zoom now for a little over three years and it's grown drastically. And that was one of the main reasons for creating our Women in Security Group was because we grew so quickly and you lose that time a little bit of getting to know people and building that sense of community when you're growing that quickly. So we have about 90 members in our Women in Security Group now and try and keep our engagement up, try and continue to ask for volunteers, and then also try and collaborate with fellow ERGs at Zoom as well. 90, that's a lot. How big is Zoom? How many employees does Zoom have? Oh gosh, don't quote me, but I want to say it's maybe around 8,000 now. Wow. Generally. <laughs> it's a lot. That number, yeah. I'm going to jump in. Quick acronym here. So ERG, I think if it's the same at Zoom as Microsoft, it's Employee Resource Group. Is that correct? Yes, you're right. Got it. And then an ERG is often a group within a company or within an organization, I'm sorry, of folks that have a similar bond, an identity, representation, something that brings them all together that they're utilizing for support, for growth, for advancement. Is that sort of a good definition of an ERG? Yes, you're absolutely right. I will say we, within our Women in Security group, have a shared mission statement where we focus on not only the cyber side, but also the physical side of security. And then we welcome people from all across the company, whether they sit in any of those security fields want to be in, want to support someone in that space. So that helps kind of encompass our 90-person member account. Got it. And then how big is the security org at Zoom? So you've got 90 women in, in women's security at Zoom, but then security as a larger group? Um, I think we're around 250 right now, globally. Oh, got it. So you've got really good representation within your ERG. Yes. That's fantastic. And then... One thing I love to do on this podcast, Caitlin, and to folks that have listened to previous episodes, is I love to pick apart the title of people's sessions. I'm like, why did you choose that? And why is that word? And what are you trying to say there? And what does that really mean? And initially, so your title of your session was No Women in Security Group, question mark, no problem. And initially, when I saw that come in as part of the sort of call for papers, I actually thought you were going to be saying like, well, if you don't have a women in security group, you know, here are some things that you can do to sort of work around that. And obviously that 
wasn't the focus of your talk, as I understood it, and as I sort of witnessed it in the audience. It was very much a, if you haven't got a women in security group at your organization, here's how you can start one. And here's why you should start one. And then I think one of your takeaways was, you can do it. It's accessible. It's possible. But I want to pause there. Did I get the gist of your session title and your abstract there? Like, is that a good sort of overview? Yes, absolutely. And I chose that title specifically, I will say for selfish reasons, because in my mind, you know, initially we didn't have a women in security group and it was this big, scary thing to me of like, am I the right person? Do I have the right resources? Do I have the right structure? Do I have the right drive to do this? And then once I started stepping into that space with much help from a co-founder and volunteers, it truly was like, oh, no problem. We can do this. This isn't as big and scary and I don't need fancy tools or budgeting initially to kind of get it going. So that was kind of my draw in to hopefully get folks of like, it's not as intimidating and scary as it might be to create a women in security group if you don't have one. And when did you create the Zoom women in security group? How long has that been going for now? I think it's been about two years maybe a little bit longer. I talk about this in the talk just briefly around some self-doubt that people might have of stepping into a leadership role of like, like I mentioned, am I the right person? You know, is this other person better than I am at leading something like this? And for me personally, I actually took someone, another woman that I looked up to and she was in a leadership role. She actually left for a different opportunity. And that was sort of my opening of like, okay, she was the person that in my mind, I had made up the story of like, oh, she's really great. And she's sort of doing this like unofficially. So I don't want to step on her toes. And then when she left, it sort of left this opening and this gap to say, you know what, let's formalize this and let's figure out how we can put some structure and mission statement goals and events around the women in security group. So I do talk about that just briefly and that talk about squashing that self-doubt and stepping into this leadership role if it's something that you're passionate about and something that you think you can take on. I could see the hesitation also, you know, there's imposter syndrome. It's there. We all pretend it doesn't exist, but it absolutely does exist. But then also the hesitation around you start the ball rolling. And I don't know if you know the childhood. It's like a fairy tale about the chicken and the corn, how everyone wants to eat the corn, but no one wants to help the chicken get to the point of the corn being ready to eat. So if you start this, what if no one helps and everyone just shows up to meetings, but then you're left to do everything by yourself. So I could see some hesitation in like, what am I getting myself into? But then also once you start that, I'm sure you found there were a lot of people that jumped in and said, I want to help with this. This is awesome. They just needed that person such as yourself to kind of start it a little bit, get the ball rolling. Did you experience any of that? Yes, absolutely. I will say that sort of doing the first initial women in security kickoff of like, hey, we've pulled together a mission statement. Let's bring together sort of the rough idea of who the members will be to help spread the word. And then putting out that call for support or call for feedback. We, myself and my co-founder, were flooded with ideas and information and all of these great ideas that people wanted. Technical trainings and book club and virtual and in-person meetups and coffee with CISO and all these great things. And then it was sort of cricket of like, okay, these are great, but how are we going to do this? Like we need more than just two people. And it did take some time. And I talk about that with different people of don't expect this to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. It's going to take different people's work fluctuating for them to have openings or availability to be able to help put together, you know, a technical talk and maybe something that they're working on and see other women step into this space and hear great feedback for them to step into any type of speaking engagement or hosting a virtual or in-person event. So it does take a while. It can, I should say, 
day to get it moving. But we've seen some great progress. There's definitely lulls as different things are going on. And again, in people sort of day to day with their day jobs, if you will. But it is an exciting time to try and create that community and bring folks together and really deliver off things that they're asking for. That kind of brings me the greatest joy in the women in security group work is someone saying, hey, I'd like to see a tech talk on threat modeling. That's an example that I used in my talk of someone that was asking about that and putting one chat message out in the team chat. And someone said, oh, I'm actually working on that right now. Like I can talk next Thursday and people going, oh, wow, we have that own resource within our community. Let's tap that. Let's record it. Let's share it out. Let's continue to build on it. Actually, I will say someone came to a recent talk that I did that was outside of Blue Hat. It was that day of security. And she heard me. She was a Zoomie, as we call ourselves. And she heard me use that threat modeling example. And she went into our chat channel and said, hey, where is this? How can I find out more about this? And since everything was recorded, it was easy to sort of revert her back in time to that talk. So that was really great. I want to ask, I'll wear the hat now of sort of asking the dumb question or maybe the very, very rudimentary question, but simply just to sort of frame the positioning. Why do we need women in security ERGs? Or why do we need ERGs? Maybe is the umbrella question, but specifically we're talking about women in security and Caitlin, you obviously were at an organization, didn't have one, you felt the need for it, you went and created one, as you said, with a co-founder. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to create one and what was the need that you were serving and then sort of maybe more broadly, why do ERGs exist and why are they important? Yes, that's great. I should have really started there because there's sort of two stats that I like to start with that I've put into the beginning of my talk. That was some feedback that I got from some people of, don't just jump into the how, talk about the why first because that really helps set it up and drive the importance of an ERG. So right now where we women are about 24% of the cybersecurity force, which is extremely low. At Zoom or is that an average across the entire industry? Off the entire industry, 24%. And then... 17% of Fortune 500 CISOs are women. So I like to kind of pause and look at those numbers. And I think together, everyone together, we all have some work to do in the cyberspace. Those numbers don't include physical, but I like to pull physical security into that as well. And I think that one thing I talk about in my talks that I call is that representation shift. So hearing the 24 and the 17% and women sitting in meetings and feeling those numbers every single day, If and when you're involved in an ERG like a women in security group, you get to experience that representation shift, which is you come into meetings, you come into a space, you come into an event where if not 100% or close to are women, which is very odd, but amazing and fantastic to experience as a woman in cyber. And it's something that when I first started out my career in cyber, I was surrounded by wonderful women, but I wasn't involved in the ERG aspect of my role. And then since being at Zoom and experiencing that, it's a total shift and it is amazing and scary all in one. But that's kind of one of the main aspects that I like to talk about when I talk about different women of why do I need this, right? I have, you know, even at Zoom, we have a larger ERG that sits sort of on top of our women in security group, which is women at Zoom, which is still wonderful and fantastic to be involved in. But some of the issues or difficulties or support that women may need in cyber is quite different than a larger women at any company may need. So it's really great to come together and be able to talk through those different difficulties or just simply sharing resources. That's been a really great opportunity that we've done at Zoom is sharing resources and just sharing that knowledge. I don't want to focus on like, oh, we just talk about, you know, the difficulties of being women in the space. Of course, we talk about that too. But we also focus on the power of us coming together. And when we see that representation shift and how we can come together and represent 
if not the entire security org, even people outside of the security org that are interested in cyber. So it's really powerful and positive when we all come together. I'll ask a silly follow-up, but just for the purposes of exploring this even further. So does that mean that once the industry gets to 51% women, which in theory is a statistically representative of all populations, does that mean there's now no need for a women in security ERG because we've solved the problem? I'm doing thumbs up, which you can't see because it's an audio podcast. But I guess my question is, does that sort of make sense? Like the women in security group, there's no end point, right? Like you don't sort of go like, hooray, we've solved representation now in this. Let's move on to somewhere else. Like this is not about sort of achieving a metric or achieving a hard number. And then you can say job done. Absolutely. Yes. I think I hope that we get to that number. I think you mentioned 51%. That is my hope and my dream. But I think even if or when we do get to that point, we will still have that need for community and to share resources and talk through. I imagine if and when we get to that number, we'll have different challenges to take on or different sort of lessons learned to share with the group. So I don't see any end in sight for that group. If anything, I think it will just continue to get stronger and the needs will shift over time. I would like to go back in time a little bit. Let's do it. Let's go before, before Wendy Zoom. likes to do this. Wendy's our, our TARDIS, <laughs> our Doctor Who. We're going back. You've been in the industry for about a decade now, security in general. What drew you to security? What drew you to the IT security realm? And then give us that timeline of what led you to where you're at now. And then what led you to that realization of, I need to create this group? Yes. So I will say that my journey into cyber was sort of accidental. It started off with a consulting group when I was on the bench, as they say, or, you know, I was in between jobs. And I said, I will take anything and everything. I just need to go back to work. And at that time, I had an IT background and a accounting sort of training, technical training background. So I'm like, whatever you can do with that consulting firm that I'm working with, get me in anywhere. And they actually were able to get me in with Microsoft. And at the time, I didn't understand, you know, what I was really signing up for or what I was taking on. But it was with the strike program, which at that time was an internal program that I know you both and maybe your audience are familiar with. So I was working really on the logistics of the strike program with a security organization at Microsoft. And I was not exposed to any of the content, which, you know, was that's the most exciting and juicy part that kind of gets you into cyber. But just simply being that was when we were all in office. So I was getting to build really great relationships with people in office. I was getting to have different hallway conversations with them. And just from sort of the sneak peek that I could see into that world, I thought, wow, this is a space that's always changing. It's challenging. I will never get bored. I will never get bored in the space. And I worked on that program for about a year as a contractor. And then I converted to a full-time employee at Microsoft. I think that was about 2018. So then I was working as a PM in a security team. And my role was to be sort of the face of security for one of our internal partners. At the time, it was Universal Store. I'm sure the name has changed since then. But That was an amazing opportunity for me being relatively new to cyber because I had to represent all aspects and all domains of security to the partner, meaning I had to sort of be that middle person in between and I had to help them troubleshoot some problems. But I also had to be able to understand the problem enough to not, of course, solve it on my own at all times, but be able to connect our internal partners back to engineers or program managers on the security side. So again, that just sort of helped grow my love for security. Again, I will never get bored. Things are always changing. Something can always be better. So that really kind of got the ball rolling with my security space. And I will say when I converted to an FTE, I had 
my manager was a woman as well as my skip level, which was really great at the time. And at that time, I wasn't necessarily involved in any women in security ERGs at the time. It wasn't really even on my radar. And I think it was because I was surrounded by so many great, strong women. And then I spent a little bit of time in Azure Global, specifically in a privacy role, before I went to Zoom. And I don't know what it was that once I got to Zoom and going, we need to have this women in security group. I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier of we just grew so quickly that I wanted to grow that sense of community and not truly knowing where I wanted to take the women in security group, but just knowing that we could come together as a community and share resources and talk through some difficult things. And I can't necessarily pinpoint when that light switch happened or this needs to happen. But I will say leading a group like this and speaking about it has opened so many different opportunities in terms of speaking engagements like Blue Hat, of course, and then just some different engagements and even like different opportunities at different conferences that I've been able to share this story on. And I didn't sign up for it for that purpose, but it's that's really been an extra sort of rewarding bonus with having the responsibility of leading the Women in Security group. That was a little long-winded, sorry. No, that was fantastic, Caitlin. Thank you so much for all that background. And as you've mentioned, we've mentioned a few times, so you did present at Blue Hat October 23. You were a Lightning presenter on day two. We'll put the link to your session recording in the show notes for this episode. You can also go to our YouTube channel, Day Two Lightning Talks. Caitlin is up third. So obviously, folks are going to listen to this episode. They'll be excited. They want to go and watch the video. They'll do that. But let's sort of give them a sneak peek. So you say... You don't have a women in security group. That's not a problem. You can go and create one. And, you know, yes, it may be daunting. Yes, you may think that someone else should be doing it or is more qualified. But, you know, it's about getting the ball rolling and jumping in. So I have two questions. One is, if you don't have a women in security group, how do you know if you should create one? And that could be because I work at a really tiny company and there's only 10 of us or 50 of us. Or maybe there is a women at my company organization, but maybe there isn't a sort of a sub ERG for security or cybersecurity. So I guess that's sort of one part of the question. And once we sort of cover that, I'd love you to just talk us through the steps, your four steps, which were, you know, I thought quite simple in in how to go about creating women in security ERG. So, but starting with that first question, like, when should one be created? Is there a set of rules or a minimum viable org size? I would say... If you're thinking of the question of if and when and should I create the group, the answer is yes. If it's on your radar, if you are listening to this talk, if you see a gap in your organization, whether you are one of two women in your organization or 2,000, I say, yes, do it. I think one thing that can deter people is the group needing to be very formal. I like to sort of squash that. I'm like, yes, it's great to create and walk through the steps that I outlined that I'll talk about here in a second. But it also doesn't need to be big and scary. So I think Initially, if you can sort of knock that out of like removing some of that pressure from yourself, if someone is thinking of leading this group, yes, your answer is yes. If you have concerns, I tell people, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Let's talk through it together because that was one of my biggest concerns was struggling with that self-doubt. So I love to sort of offer myself as a resource to other women if they're struggling with that too. So yes, go create the group. You're the right person. All right. And so now what do I do? I've decided I'm going to do it. I'm the right person. Imposter syndrome, I've quashed that to some degree. What's my first step? Okay, so you are already ahead because that is the first step is <laughs> establishing your group leadership team, which is, I like to say in my talk, like if you are in this talk and you are listening, I'm hoping that the answer is yes, you're ready to step into that role of leadership position. And I know that there's a lot of different allies attending the talks or even listening today. So I always like to ask them to, if you see or you notice that there's not a women in security group at your company, 
chat with the women on your team. Chat with the women that you maybe have mentees or mentors. Talk with them and see if it's something that they're interested in or if you can support them in any way. But that is the first step, is establishing a group leadership team. And that basically is saying, yes, I will be the person at the end of the day that is creating events or creating step two, which is your mission statement and goals for the group. That really sort of gets us into the more formal, quote unquote, if you will, as I like to talk about it not being so formal. But I do think that having a short mission statement on paper somewhere is very important because that's something from my experience and talking with other women that different ERG leaders want to see, most likely your CISO or anyone with a C acronym in their title, most likely likes to see when they start seeing a group like this created. And then starting to create some goals under that mission statement and be gentle on yourself, keep them very achievable, keep them very timely. Don't make them too heavy because you, of course, have your day job that you want to live up to, but start out slow and start out with some achievable goals. It can even be, hey, let's have a kickoff meeting, right? That can be your first goal. And B, let's recruit some of our members. Keep them very achievable and don't go, don't go too crazy with your goals. And then moving right along, step three is my most exciting step for myself because it's about the members. So step three is recruiting and retaining those members. What that looks like for me and my co-founder at Zoom was just like I mentioned, sort of bringing the group together virtually and having that kickoff meeting. And that was sort of our first time to share with members and potential members of creating the group and then start kind of putting some teasers out there of different events that are coming up to help recruit and retain those members. So, hey, we're going to have a book club quarterly. Anybody interested in either leading that or sharing some books that you'd like to discuss? We're going to be doing some technical trainings. You know, who wants to hear more about threat modeling? Who wants to talk more about any technical topics that you'd like to bring together with the group. That's my most exciting step because it really gets down to the heart of the group, which is what the members want to see and what they can get out of the group. And then step four is around listening and adjusting to the group. Now, this can be formal surveys that you push out, you know, every quarter, every so often. I like to say in my talk that this can be people stopping you in the hallways or jumping on a Zoom call to share some of their feedback or some concerns that they have. You will get stopped and you will get recognized more than you realize stepping into this role. And I think that is the best thing about it is that people see you as that resource. So I do ask any of the leaders that step into the Women in Security Group leadership role to just keep your eyes and ears open and understand that some people respond or want to engage their survey or their feedback in all different forums. So just keep that feedback loop open for your members. And that's it. It's just four simple steps, right? It's not that complicated. <laughs> of course, that that's sort of in its most simplest form. We could go sort of in depth in more of those. But for a 15 minute lightning talk, I'm like, I get in and get out with the four steps. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this, but I would love to hear your perspective. I mean, of course, budget. Yes. Everyone wants budget. We all want budget. This is the spicy word for every company. (laughs) We all want budget. But when starting ERG, you mentioned, you touched on this a little bit earlier in this conversation about, you know, don't worry about budget to start. Did that obviously evolve? Did your ERG, or for those that are looking to start an ERG, is this something like you establish yourself first? You kind of prove yourself as an established ERG. Also, An additional question to that, did you get executive sponsorship, like find some C-level executives like, yes, I back this? You know, how did you navigate those waters? Yes, you are right. I will say in my talk, I do touch on budgeting and I tell women that you can start your employee resource group with no budgeting, but you will need time. And I talk about time being the biggest resource that they will need because it does and can take time away from your day job. 
Of course, budgeting would be excellent to have and is and can be very helpful out of the gate. But I don't like to deter people by saying, you know, you have to ask for X amount of dollars to get started because I don't think that you do. I will say at Zoom, we were very fortunate to have excellent support from our CISO at the time and continue to with our current CISO. So we're very fortunate in that regard and have some wonderful women in leadership roles that report directly into our CISO, which of course helps a ton. But budgeting is tricky because all ERGs need to be treated the same. We do have the opportunity to ask for funds. I would say that I don't know if all companies, of course, are structured in that same way, but I don't think it hurts to ask. I think it As you're building out your ERG, even if they or someone says, no, we don't have budgeting right now, I would still continue to document what those budget requests would be as you're continuing to build out the group and never stop asking. I like to put a quarterly reminder down and just continue to ask and say, hey, if we did have budget, I could bring in this external speaker, this person's fee is this amount, or we'd like to get this swag item, these sweatshirts cost this amount of money. I don't ever want people to stop asking. And I don't ever want people to stop thinking of great ideas just because there is potentially a limitation with budget. I think there's some great things that we can do with internal resources. And then I think there's some amazing things we can do just in the larger industry. When I chat with different people about doing this talk and some of the work that we're doing at Zoom, there has been an amazing response of people saying, even at Blue Hat in the speakers lounge, talking with fellow speakers of like, oh, hey, what's your talk about? What's your talk about? And people saying, oh, contact me afterwards. I will come in for free and give a talk or training about whatever it may be. And this isn't even us pitching or saying we don't have budget necessarily. So there's a great things that can come from the security community itself around this. And there's definitely different ways to get around budgeting, but please don't ever stop asking. Document it and continue to get it in front of your people that are sponsoring it or your CISO or any executives that you have. Can you tell I've talked through this a couple of times where I'm like, don't ever stop. (laughs) It's so easy to stop. (laughs) I feel like everything that you've said so far could be applicable to other types of ERGs. Have you met with other folks in other communities, either within Zoom or in other organizations? And have you found that these sort of principles and steps that you've just walked us through, they are sort of universally applicable to starting an employee resource group? Yes, I think at a high level, absolutely. I mean, definitely when we get down into more of the details, things can get more complicated or start shifting. But definitely at that high level, really like at those four steps, like I discussed, I think you can tackle different ERGs with those four high level steps that I outlined. We do have a handful of ERGs at Zoom and they are very cross-collaborative and supportive of each other. So a lot of what I've learned is I've learned from other ERGs and seeing how they've been able to tackle things or sort of vice versa. If there's an ERG that's not stood up yet, you know, learning from like women in security or women at Zoom, we're kind of all in one big chat channel too that we can discuss and share different ideas or feedback or just support each other in different events too. I think it's really easy with women in security, whatever ERG you're in, to focus on the negative, you know, what has been some of your bad experiences. But I think you touched on this in your talk about the power of community and just getting close to 100 folks in your ERG just to feel like there's a sense of community and a purpose and a reason and like, hey, our voices are now elevated into this massive group instead of just like, I'm the only female in this in this room right now at this meeting because we've all been there at some point. And, you know, I would love to hear like, In the lifespan of your women in security group, what has been the most fulfilling thing that you've seen or event or action or something in that group that you're just like, that's 
what I'm doing this for. Yes. I will say some of the different hallway conversations where women talk to me about good things or bad things and me being a resource for them. I don't always have the right answer. Sometimes, you know, I do have to hand them off to the appropriate team that's more trained in certain issues, if you will. But just getting to know, like selfishly for myself, getting to know our women in security community has been amazing. And then even just sitting back and watching most of our engagement is in a chat channel. And just sitting back and watching if someone reaches out and says, hey, I need to learn more about this process or I'm having difficulty with this tool. And then watching people pile on and give their advice or their different resourcing is so cool. To me, that's where I'm like, we've made it. That's so cool just to be able to see that and people supporting each other. And I want to touch on this because it does help answer this a little bit better, but I have to give a shout out to the Pride at ERG leader because she came up with the wonderful idea. She's also a member of our Women in Security space of doing a Women in Security Wins Wednesday, which is a monthly tagline that I put out and say, hey, I'm going to tag like three people because I worked closely with them in the last month. Here's a win that we shared. And then just try and get more women to share some of the wins that they have. Because there is that time, right, where people want to vent or they want to have that space, which is fine. That's also, you can use the community for that. But I think it's very powerful when we can come together and share those wins together. So I have to give a shout out to our Kaida ERG leader because she helped come up with that idea and we've been doing it. And it's a really great positive time for people to come in and share some wins. And it can be big, small, inside of work, outside of work, whatever folks feel comfortable sharing. And probably even more important in the security space, because obviously we are so focused on incidents and fire drills to reuse or to paraphrase a term we we certainly use here at Microsoft, that taking that time to share wins and to celebrate wins is probably even more important in security than perhaps in in some other groups. Not, Not to say that security is better, worse, more indifferent, but just that in this space, obviously, we do spend so much time on incidents and incidences are often sort of thought of as negative and and that sort of just energetically can build up. So really important to do, would you say was Wednesday wins? No, what's it called? Women in Security Wins Wednesdays. Women in Security Wins Wednesdays. Oh, try saying yeah. that fast five times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. So we just talked about budget and how never stop asking for budget and never stop sort of thinking about budget, but ultimately not needed to get this started. You can start this thing without budget. It sounds like you can even sort of run it without budget. What about sponsorship, you know, executive sponsorship or having sort of an executive as the lead or the executive sponsor? How imperative is that or not? And if it is important, how do you go about finding and securing sort of executive sponsorship if you have a very large organization where it's important to have that? Yes, I certainly do not think that it hurts. If you are going down that path, I would say go full steam ahead. I highly doubt that you're going to find someone that will tell you no. They may say, not right now. I have a suggestion for someone else, but I do not think that you will get a solid no from someone. Like I mentioned earlier at Zoom, we're very fortunate to have a very supportive CISO previously and currently now that has also helped highlight our Women in Security group in some larger forums. And also put the plug in for, hey, while we have a women in security group, there's also an opportunity to come up with other ERGs. So I think that's also important for that sponsor to share that with the rest of the, whether it's the security org or even at the company level. I will say at Zoom, we are fortunate because we were assigned executive sponsorships from 
that level automatically. So that's just like relatively recently, maybe in the last four months or so. So that sort of took care of part of that ask for our experience. But again, I go back to sort of that step two of that mission statement and goals. I think that's extremely important to have that documented so that if and when you do step into that conversation of getting an executive sponsor, it just makes it easier. You don't have to necessarily justify the group. You have all of that documented. I think it's also very important to talk with that potential sponsor if you already have one identified of what do you want their role to be? I think it's very important to spell out very crisp and clear of the time commitment that you're asking of them, the level of engagement that you're asking of them. Because if you don't tell them, you know, they might be thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be, you know, 10 hours a week. Am I able to do that? No, let's break it down. We need your voice and we need your power to help support, you know, and potentially unblock us, maybe help us on some of these budget conversations. But I would say get that documented and it doesn't hurt to get it in front of someone. Again, I doubt they're going to say no. Again, they may redirect to someone else or help steer you in that right direction, but you can do it. Get that documented and get it in front of somebody. I want to ask about allyship. You know, I'm male. I he, him are my pronouns. So a women in security group, in theory, is not a group that I would be a part of, although I absolutely am an ally to the women in security here at Microsoft and in DSR and help out in an allyship capacity. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about how can allies and allyship fit into this? And so if you're listening to this talk and you're like, well, it's not applicable to me because I'm not a woman or you know, it's not a group that I would join, how should we think about allyship? What is it? Why is it important? And what can you do to be an ally? Yes, a real life example, just coming into this call in our Women in Security chat channel, we were asking for recommendations for an external speaker. And someone came in, a male, and offered up their list of resources that they have or their connections that they can have. I thought that was amazing to see that. I think that is a key part of it is staying engaged and offering yourself or your connections as a resource. I had someone that came up to me after Blue Hat in the Villages, which was great. And they said, I have two women on my team. How can I best support them? And I said, well, it's great you know, that you're thinking of that, but I need you to go ask them that question. Go have that conversation with them and just said, hey, I want to make sure that I'm supporting you in the best way possible. And I told this individual who had the best intentions of this is how I, Caitlin, would like to be supported, but they may feel completely differently. I will say for myself specifically, I said, I really support and very encouraged when some of my male allies are supporting me in a meeting and ensure that I'm not cut off, ensure that I have time to speak and have a full thought process before someone else steps in. I have had great support with that when I'm very sort of clear with someone of how if and when they ask or if I'm willing to step into that conversation of like, hey, I'm going into this meeting. I would really like your support in this space. Here's kind of what I'm thinking I need of you. But again, going back to that specific example, I said, that's a great question. Go grab coffee with those two women that you mentioned, you know, separately because they may want to share different stories. But I think that's where it starts. I think it starts with a conversation. Every person is different and they may want to engage or, you know, respond to different questions like that differently. But I also think it's important. Like you said, Nick, you're involved. You're involved and you're supporting and you're an ally. And I think that is very important. And I think it's also important just to be aware of different events that are going on with your women in security group. You can offer ideas if necessary, back to the leads or back to the volunteers. If volunteers are needed, heck, you can volunteer if you want. Just like there's volunteers for Blue Hat or other different conferences, I think it's always great to get a diverse 
volunteer base or diverse ideas from folks. But allyship is very important. And I think a lot of people approach that differently, but I like to just approach it with have a conversation, reach out and see how that individual or that group wants to be supported. If I just to paraphrase, it is about sort of staying connected. It is about reaching out, but it's reaching out really to maybe ask the question of how can I support and or do you need anything that I can assist with? Can I provide? It is reaching out, but it's sort of reaching out maybe in a way of asking how can I best support you or this group as opposed to reaching out and suggesting something or pushing for something or offering something in a sort of an assertive way? Yeah, I think some of my great experiences have been people extending or offering different resources and they have offered it to me. And I've said, yes, thank you. I appreciate you. But they have not been pushy about it. They have not been you know, necessarily following up to ensure that I action on those. But just knowing that they've offered up those different resources and are supporting me. Even a great example is, you know, taking time to go speak at conferences and ensuring that I have that coverage with my colleagues, male, female, however they identify, having those conversations of, hey, I'm going to be stepping away for a bit today. Can you cover me for this? Or are you aware that I'm going to go speak? I've been very fortunate to have a really great supportive team at Zoom and beyond of stepping into spaces like that and helping ensure that things are covered or that things like that. So that's been a really great opportunity too for folks to step in and help support. I love the idea of asking. I've been in company-wide trainings where they train, you know, how to be inclusive to women and security and so on and so forth. And just a slight tangent, I was in this group and these people in this group are like, well, what do you do if you see a woman at a conference and she's standing by herself? Oh, we'll bring the whole group over to her and ask her to participate. And I said, um, excuse me, if that was myself and I was at the conference, I'm by myself in a corner because I want to be. Like, ask them if they would like to participate because not everyone's the same, regardless of who you are and how you identify. And some of us like to be alone. Some of us like to participate. So I love that, you know, instead of pushing it, like the intention might be great, but asking like, hey, I've got some great resources. Are you open to hearing them? That is, I think, a a perfect way to approach this instead of just, you know, again, the intention's good, but just coming in and being like, here's my list of everything that I can do for you. It's having that conversation. But how I wanted to pivot this was I wanted to ask, aside from the ERG, what do you do at Zoom? What is your everyday? How are you helping to secure this platform that so many of us are using? Yes, great question. So I work on the product security side. So I work with our engineering security team as well as our compliance team to ensure that all of our products are tested and compliant before they reach GA. Compliance is a spicy word. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot that goes into compliance. So I'm sure there's a lot of work that has to be done around that, especially with video conferencing and transcribing and recording and permission. So what does a typical day look like for you? Oh, I love this question. Every day is different, but I will say right now, I am focusing on making sure that the teams that I support are unblocked and that we have some very aggressive timelines for products that we're pushing out. So I am constantly on calls or chat, just making sure that everything is continuing to move. I have sort of two main initiatives that I'm ensuring are unblocked and trying to keep them moving as quickly as I can. Some days I am doing planning work 
as we're coming up to our next fiscal year, which is exciting because that also means I get to do planning for women in security. So you get to do that sort of at the same time. Some days I am spending with our engineering security team. And then some days I spend with my home team, if you will, which is fellow TPMs. So the cool thing is that when we're together, we almost completely represent the entire security org. So that's pretty powerful when we come together and work through some process issues or some planning issues, like I mentioned, or initiatives. So I kind of have a split role, if you will. Caitlin, how has this, as the Women in Security Group at Zoom, if you're able and willing to share, like how has it actually benefited you professionally? You know, you talked about obviously having some great opportunities to speak at conferences. That is wonderful. I'm, I'm wondering, maybe more related to your role as a TPM, or perhaps even in your own sort of day-to-day workflow, what sort of experiences or opportunities have come about from the ERG for you as an individual? And I'm just thinking, you know, folks listening to this episode and may want to either go start their own ERG or join one, how to sort of wrap their head around some of those benefits, maybe in in a more of a tangible sense from your own perspective. Yes, I will say initially it was just getting to know the fellow women in the ERG. And then as that grew, I was able to start learning more about their roles and what they do. And so as I'm learning through the Women in Security group, and then I'm doing that context switching of back to my day job, it has been extremely beneficial to learn the women and their roles in the ERG group, but then also relate it back to my work and go, oh, I just talked to Rachel last week about her role in the incident response team. I'm now working this incident and I understand these pieces. And now I know Rachel and what she does. So that's been interesting and quite beneficial to start connecting those dots. Something that I didn't think would impact me the way that it has in the best way, sort of help break down some of those barriers that for teams that maybe I don't work with as closely. And then the technical training that we've done, that's just been wonderful because those are some technical areas that maybe I haven't been engaged or involved with yet. One of the great things is working with our security architecture team and being able to bring some of those reviews or some of that context to the larger group when applicable. I get so sort of like bogged down in my own, like whether it's engineering security or TPM world that sometimes I have to lift my head up and go, oh, wow, this would actually be very beneficial for the group. And sometimes that takes someone reaching out and sending a ping or asking more about something where I'm like, oh, yes, other people would benefit from knowing this. But just really the resourcing, sharing the different resourcing, and that's been huge. It's being tapped into all the networks. Yes, yes. That's where I, (laughs) especially from that TPM perspective of, that's kind of how my brain works is just having not feelers out everywhere, but having some visibility and seeing at a high level where things should connect. That's kind of how my brain works is being able to hear one piece of information in one area in one context and then trying to plug it into another group or another program or project that's going on. And that's very helpful with the ERG. This probably also makes you a really good vacation planner. (laughs) (laughs) Too good, too controlling. (laughs) Before we wrap things up, I wanted to ask... Where can folks find you online? Do you have any socials that you want to talk about? Or are there any conferences you're speaking at? Or are there any blog posts? Where can people find you if they so choose to? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. CaitlinFolk.com is my website. Those are the only two that I'm on. I don't think I am speaking at anything upcoming. I'm waiting to hear back on a couple. But no, maybe I'll have something to share in the next couple of months. Well, in the meantime, we do have your talk, your lightning talk up on YouTube. We will be adding the link to this show. And thank you for being here. This was great. 
Yes, thank you. I do want to say one thing too, which was how much I enjoyed the villages after the fact. So I was able to meet some people in the villages. There was the women in cybersecurity booth, the WESIS booth that was there for the first time, which was really great because I'm connected with that organization at a national level, but I haven't been engaged at the Western Washington level because I sit in the larger Seattle area. So that was very beneficial for me as a as an attendee and as a speaker. And then just the structure of being able to meet with people afterwards in the villages was really, really great. I really liked how Blue Hat set that up this year. We've heard some great things. Yeah, yeah. I think the villages were really, people really liked them. We did them in February of this year when Blue Hat came back from COVID. But I think we took it to the next level in October and there was a lot of great feedback. And, you know, and the villages obviously is a concept that certainly wasn't invented at Blue Hat. Certainly something we borrowed. But yeah, the community really came together and it was a wonderful experience. Yes, it was great. Thank you both for having me today. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. And we will catch you next time at same time, same place, Blue Hat Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Blue Hat Podcast. If you have feedback, topic requests, or questions about this episode, please email us at bluehat at microsoft.com or message us on Twitter at msftbluehat. Be sure to subscribe for more conversations and insights from security researchers and responders across the industry by visiting bluehatpodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.